T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Home and home. Tuesday, February 18th starts our all 32 look at all 32 NFL teams this offseason. What is their one burning question? Is that team on the rise or on the decline? Or are they in the worst possible position, which is stuck right there in the middle? We start this morning in the NFC East with the Philadelphia Eagles. WIP host Ike Reese, former All-Pro Eagles linebacker, will join us shortly. It is a Tuesday home and home, a radio.com sports original. I'm Dave Briggs on the road today in Colorado in my home state, hence the Peyton Manning jersey behind me. If you are watching on the radio.com app, Ross Tucker is in Pennsylvania. And Ask Reddit is the place, Ross, to ask interesting questions and discuss them Right here on Home and Home is the place where we will answer those intriguing questions. Here is my favorite one over the last several days, and I pose it for you, my friend. A new dating app is launched. Instead of a photo of the person, it shows you a photo of their bedroom, car, kitchen, shoes, how they have their tea, coffee, things like that. What photo, Ross, would tell you the most about someone And would you be most interested in to see choosing a potential date? So you can't see a picture of her face. What would you like to see a photo of that would give you a hint whether or not you'd like to date this person? So like, what's all, what, what all are we able to go with here? Like, can I see, um, can I see her bathing suit selection? Can I see her uh, lingerie? You know, those two things would tell me an awful lot that I would be interested in on two different levels. So bathing suit selection would probably tell you something about her um, physique and the lingerie selection, if that happens to be in the same picture, would tell you a lot about her aggressiveness maybe i don't know the right word there um so physique and aggressiveness are good uh but i know that's not what they're getting at with the question for me i think it's either the car or and so here like i'm picturing one picture is it just the inside of the car or the outside of the car or is there a picture where you can see both Because if you can see both, that'll tell you a lot. Uh, I also think the other one would probably be bathroom. Like bathroom, sink, cabinet. I think that Uh. would be pretty telling as well. Okay, now number one, as per the lingerie. Intriguing, yes, because of the, I think, physique. But number two, we married men realize... We're never going to get to see that lingerie ever again. So you might as well just have a photo of it because, yeah, you'll see it maybe while you're dating. But once you're married, you're never going to see it again. The car is interesting. The outside, I'm going to take a hard pass on that. The inside, a little bit intriguing. 
You did come around to my answer, though, and my answer right away was the bathroom. I think a lot can be revealed by it's got to include everything in that bathroom, though, right? Like, I need to see the shower. I need to see the counter. I need to see the cabinet. I think you get a real sense of the type of person you're going to be dating by a picture of their bathroom. I think that is revealing. I can't imagine some of the suggestions given in the question, like how they take their tea or coffee. That doesn't intrigue me. I think the bedroom, the site of their bedroom, the closet, I don't think so because my wife's closet is an absolute disaster. And I think if I saw that closet, I'd think, eh, maybe not. So that tells me closet does not give any sort of indication about the type of person you're about to date. Some of the popular answers on Reddit, what their fridge looks like, how clean their bedroom is, which ties to that bathroom answer, and the last six meals they cooked. I'm not so interested in that one. Are you? No, um, it's weird though, Dave. I think fridge is interesting because I think fridge is interesting because in my mind, I would like to see a pretty well-stocked fridge, meaning like food is important and there's a lot of good things to eat in there. Healthy, but tastes good. Cause that would oh. tell you something about her, right? Like she likes to eat, which I like. She likes to eat somewhat healthy, but also, you know, wants to have stuff that tastes good. And I'd also like it to be organized, but I don't want it to look immaculate. Like, I don't want it to look like she just cleaned the whole thing out. Because then she might be psycho anal retentive. Like, I like organization, but... I don't want it to look immaculate in there. Cause then it's like, whoa, is this one of those psycho chicks that cleans her fridge every week? I don't need that in my life. I'm, I'm not here for that. I want organization. I want general cleanliness, but I don't want the type of person that's taking everything out of the fridge to wipe everything down once a week. Yeah, I'm curious now how you expand on that if it were a picture of their bedroom, if it were a picture of their bathroom, do you want to see a spotless bathroom and or bedroom? Where do you draw the line on messy, dirty, filthy, and how important would that be to you? So, you know, on a scale of one to 10, it's somewhat important. On a scale of one to 10, I would say it's a six or a seven for me. But I would say I would want their bathroom or their bedroom or their closet for that matter. Closet may be a little bit lower. But on a scale yeah. of 1 to 10 cleanliness, Dave, I'm looking for an 8. I don't want a 10. I think I'd rather have a 4 or a 5 than a 10. A 10 is like like they just dusted it. They dust it every day and they're like a psycho. Even a right. 9, it's like... Hey, relax, dude. R relax. But eight, it's like they care. They take pride in what they do. They want things to be cleanly, organized, nice. But they're not a psychopath. I think we have similar guidelines there. I think dirty, filthy, I have a real problem with. Um, <laughs> mess messy does not bother me. So if you have 
some extra clothes around the bedroom. If there's kind of some clutter on the bathroom counter, I'm okay. But if there's some filth to the bathroom counter and or sink and or shower, I'm out. I'm not down with dirty or filthy. I'm okay with messy. And that's where I draw the line. I'm interested in one of the millennials, one of our producers, Jordan Cohen. I think it reveals their age. He says, I would want to see their Spotify top song playlist. I think my kids would feel the exact same way. They want that popular playlist for me. Boy, if you saw, I don't have a Spotify playlist to begin with, but I can't even imagine, I don't even know the songs that are in my phone. So if you saw them, you'd have a very disturbing picture of who I am. I think I've probably got Disney songs. I've got country songs. I've got rap songs. You'd be very confused about the type of dude I am. Very interesting. I like oh. that. Um, yeah, I'd be the wrong person on that. I, I got to tell you, I don't think many girls would be very interested in me. I have no playlist. <laughs> I, ha I have no music. I have nothing. Like, they would think I'm like, uh, I don't know what they would think. Because I love music. I love to dance. I love to sing. But I just put on whatever's on the radio. Or, you know, I flip to a certain station I like. Or, you know, when I'm home, you know, radio.com app, you can listen to all kinds of different songs, but I don't like, I don't have like a playlist or whatever. I don't like, if I'm like on certain providers, I'll just go to like Taylor Swift radio or whatever, you know? Of course you do. We, I almost forgot the Taylor Swift uh, obsessive side of you. We haven't talked about that in quite some time here on Home and Home. I'm with you, largely listening to sports talk radio or maybe a little bit of uh, politics on Sirius. But usually I'm on some radio.com station, a lot of WEEI, a lot of 105.3 down there in Dallas, and certainly some WIP sports radio in Philadelphia. And that's where we come to today with our first of our all 32 look at all 32 NFL teams and their offseason outlook and how they are trending upward, downward, or stuck right in the middle, which is where you cannot be as a professional sports franchise any sports. We start that in the NFC East today with the Philadelphia Eagles and our all 32 burning question brought to you by Five Hour Energy Ross. What is your burning question about the Philadelphia Eagles this offseason? So it is very clear from Howie Roseman's press conference after the season that the Eagles are going to make changes. You know, he said, listen, we felt like we had a three-year window with the group of players that won the Super Bowl, that core group, and that was 2017, 2018, 2019. But he made it very clear, Dave, that they need to get younger and they need to revamp the roster. So I guess what I'm curious about is how different does it really look? Like, is Malcolm Jenkins gone? It sounds like Jason Peters will be gone. You know, we already know guys like Darren Sproles are retired. Can they get rid of Alshon Jeffrey? Like, I, it has the potential to look a whole lot different than the Super Bowl team. And so that's my burning question. How far do they go? You know, is it just a couple new guys? Or is it double-digit new guys, different guys? that they swap out this offseason. 
Yeah, I'm curious. My burning question for the Alpha Eagles, how close do they feel they are to winning a Super Bowl? Because if they think they're one guy away and they want to fill those two big holes, corner and wide receiver, do they have to fill them in free, via free agency or via the draft? It's an outstanding class of wide receivers. Can't imagine they fill their need at cornerback through the draft. Let's ask Ike Reese, former all-pro linebacker of the Eagles, host at WIP Sports Radio in Philadelphia, what his burning question is this offseason. Ike Reese, great to have you on the program as we start our All-32. What's your biggest question, your burning question about the Eagles' offseason? Hey, fellas, thanks for having me uh, on the show. I guess if I had one burning question uh, about the Eagles' this offseason, um, it would be for me, I guess, how do you sort of uh, revamp this wide receiving core? You know, what are you going to do to uh, to remake the identity of this wide receiving core? What do you want the identity of this receiving core uh, to be? They have two fantastic tight ends uh, that you're going to add to the repertoire of bringing Deshaun Jackson back. Uh, what do you do with Alshon Jeffrey? Uh, they're probably not going to bring Nelson Aguilar back. Uh, what is J.J. Ortega-Whiteside? Um, and, 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 you know, the receivers that may come on the open market, um, are you going to spend money there? They certainly are going to draft a wide receiver, but where would they draft the wide receiver? See, when I hear how deep of a receiver class it is, I look at that uh, two different ways. A, yeah, there's a lot of receivers there, but the Eagles could also say, well, there's enough talent there that I don't have to get one in the first round. I can wait to the second round to get one and address another position. They love to address uh, D-line, cornerbacks, situations like that with those first-round picks. So you just don't know what they're going to do. Um, they, they have a lot of money, a lot of draft picks. You know, I heard before I came on, you guys – talked about the potential of double-digit uh, new personnel coming in. I, I absolutely expect that to be the case. I, I really do. Uh, the two words that I think have hung over this team and has been a curse of some sort, as great as it was when it happened, is Super Bowl. You know, we need to stop talking about this team as if it's that team. And that's part of the problem. Uh, the front office still holds on to 2017, personnel-wise, the magic that happened there, thinking that you can duplicate that, and that's the formula for success. I think they need to wipe the slate clean as best they can, keep around as much talent that still has productive years left in them moving forward. But you got to almost rid yourself of that Super Bowl sort of team. You got you to start this thing anew and start fresh and get some people in here that's hungry that want to win their first Super Bowl. Ike, really interesting to hear you say that. Always good to talk with you, buddy. So let, let's talk turkey then because, um, you know, it sounded like Howie Roseman is going to make a bunch of changes. What does that mean in your mind for guys like Jason Peters, Alshon Jeffrey, Rodney McLeod, Malcolm Jenkins, all these guys that that may or may not be back. It sounds like you think most of those guys, if not all of them, won't be back. 
yeah, I, I think the majority of them won't be back. Uh, if there's one guy that I would try to find a way to squeeze two more years out of, it's Malcolm Jenkins. Um, obviously, he's not the player he was two years ago, but I think his leadership is invaluable. Uh, his availability uh, week in and week out, uh, I think it's something you can't overlook. He's managed to take good care of his body. Uh, with the way the uh, NFL is going on the defensive side of the ball, I actually think he fits into that little role of quasi-linebacker safety. You know, he's getting a little older. I think you can put him in that position where he's more of a box guy and, and you don't get him exposed out in man-to-man coverage as much. You know, I, I would I would much rather them find a way to come to an economical uh, uh, means and, and, and be able to keep him here. They aren't going to overpay for him. The Malcolm has to be realistic. But I, I hope they would find a way to be able to bring him back. Everyone else, I think it's time to go ahead and move on from some of those veteran guys and get to, get some new blood in here. Um, just, just so that just so that you, you, you don't have that feeling of, well, we did it in 2017, we did this in 2018, we'll be able to do it. This team has been notorious for getting off to slow starts the last two years. And a lot of it has to do with this comfort level of, well, we were able to pull together the second half of the season. We'll be able to do that again. And that is critical. They had to get out to a, to a faster start. Eagles started three and four last season. Ike Reese with this former all-pro linebacker with the Eagles host at WIP Sports Radio in Philadelphia. Obviously a glaring need at the cornerback position. Do you see them trying to make a big splash there? Darius Slay reportedly being shopped by the Lions, a former all-pro, three-time Pro Bowler. Do you expect Howie Roseman to get in the running for Slay? Yeah, I certainly do. I expect him to be making phone calls. You know how he's going to do his uh, do his due diligence, and he typically is jump is ready to jump on a deal when he feels like it's beneficial to the Eagles. I don't know if this is a great year for corners in the draft. Uh, I think the best way to go would be through free agency or through a trade for a guy like Darius Slay, who probably has a few more good years left, and he can probably benefit from a new new address, a new environment playing with a team like the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, I can certainly see that being beneficial. I certainly would like to have at least one guy out there uh, playing cornerback that I don't have to worry about every week. And, and a guy like Darius Slade, Byron Jones, James Bradbury, you know, guys like that, I, I certainly expect the Eagles uh, to be in the market uh, to upgrade their cornerback position before we get to the draft. Like, how are, you, how, how are you feeling about this team right now? You know, I, I know we were all excited about them going into last year. Felt like it was an unbelievably talented team. Heck, even Doug Peterson said on WIP radio that it was a more talented team than the 2017 team that won the Super Bowl. With all the injuries, it didn't play out that way. And there's a lot that has to happen in free agency, the draft. So we'll know a lot more certainly in May, but right now going into that stuff and based on how the season ended, how good or bad for that matter, are you feeling about the state of the Eagles franchise? I feel good about the Eagles. I do. I really do Ross. And it's not necessarily because of all the personnel that's on the team. 
Um, I feel good about the most critical positions not being a question. You know, my quarterback, uh, I don't have a question there. I think the offensive line, we're going to get a chance to see Andre Dillard. The other four spots are pretty much intact, but we're going to, Andre Dillard has to step in there. So I feel good about the offensive line. I think we need to bring Vontae back. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with him, uh, what, what he gets offered, or even, even if the Eagles allow him to hit the open market, I'd be surprised at that. So um, I'm interested in that. I'm, I feel good about that. I'm a little concerned about the wide receiver position being a little older, banged up, not really having the type of offense that I want. I think we all want what like the Kansas City Chiefs have and what the, uh, even what the San Francisco 49ers have from a play design uh, look. You sort of want that on the offensive side. But I feel good over there. Doug's there. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited and interested in seeing what these new coaches are going to bring, uh, the, the, the new assistant coaches they brought in, what type of flavors they add to the offense. I'm, I'm interested in that. And then on the defensive side, I, I think here's where Howie's going to play uh, a, a huge role, is that he has some money to go out and – and try to fix some issues on that side of the ball, as well as a lot of draft capital. And uh, I, I think there's an opportunity there for them to upgrade on that side of the football. But in this league, if your offense is your driving force, you know, a, a serviceable defense, you can win with a top-ten defense. And Jim Schwartz is a good enough coordinator that he, he can get you a top-ten defense with the assets and things they have available to them to acquire players. But on the offensive side of the ball is where this thing is going to be driven. And on that side of the ball, I feel pretty good about uh, the questions I have there. Um, I think they are fixable, fixable questions. The receiver position, I think that's something that they can be able to fix this all season. Uh, there's a lot of talent available to them, and I think Howie is going to go out there and do what he needs to do to uh, put, a, put a winning team on the field next year. The one thing I know about Howie Roseman, man, is that you know he is a prideful uh, GM slash president, right? So he's putting the team together, and the product that goes out there on the field is a reflection of him. And, uh, you know, he certainly wants to put the best available talent on the field that he can. He took some swings last year. They didn't work out for him. I think he's going to try a new approach this year. Uh, but he's never going to stop trying to put a team out there that can compete for a title. I expect the same thing next year. As long as you have Wentz back there and he's healthy, this is a playoff team. Last season, Ike Reese, what do you expect? Give us a record for the Eagles next season. How far do they go in the postseason? Now, this is my favorite, right? I, I don't know the schedule yet. I mean, we're going to have a half, half of the roster going to be different in two months. So, but this is where I, <laughs> but the opponents are there, and I, I kind of like the schedule. I do. I like the schedule. Some good opponents there, but there's also some matchups that I feel good about. And, and, and so I, I'm looking at right now 11 and 5. 11 and 5 are the Philadelphia Eagles next season. That You're right. It's, it's a shot in the dark at this point. I want to get your quick take, Ike. On Miles Garrett doubling down, tripling down on the racial accusation against Mason Rudolph, what did you make of Miles Garrett after all has been said and done, being reinstated, going back to the N-word? And that is what started off the whole incident where Garrett swung the helmet at Rudolph. 
Well, well, here's what I'll say, right? Um, there needs to be, I would imagine, some type of proof that Mason Rudolph said these things. And, you know, only Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph know what they heard and what was said. Um, and so if there isn't some actual proof that it happened, Miles Garrett is going to have a hard time getting people to believe that's why he did what he did, and thus no one's going to change their stance on their feelings from what he did. He still was suspended. He still was fined, being reinstated and bringing this back up. Um, I, I, I just don't know how it benefits him. I know he's, I, he's trying to clear his name to a degree, but like I said, it, I, bringing it back up with no actual proof of it, with no audio of it, and with the NFL doing an investigation, what are we supposed to believe? Right? I'm not out there on the field. I didn't hear it. Uh, so, I, I don't know what, what to say about it without having any actual proof that it was said, without having somebody to corroborate Miles um, Garrett's um, facts from what happened that night. I, I don't – what am I supposed to believe? So, <laughs> I, I, I would advise Miles Garrett, you know, move on from it and learn from the situation. I, I just don't know what else there is to gain from this if there is no actual proof of it. Now, if there's actual proof of it, then people will change how they felt about it. I still felt as a former player, uh, using your helmet as a weapon like that, man, I mean, there's very little justification for that type of reaction to anything. Obviously, if those type of racial slurs were uttered at him, I would understand in the heat of the moment somebody reacted that way, but without that type of proof, what am I going to say? You know, I, I know how I felt when I saw it in the moment without knowing any evidence or facts of what happened. made me cringe as a former player, and I felt for Mason Rudolph and his safety out there. So that was my stance in the moment on it. I tweeted about it, and obviously if something like that was said to provoke him and cause him to react that way, maybe I would, I would feel differently. But I just think there's a brotherhood that we got to go out there and take care of each other. And you can't, you can't take a helmet like that and just, you know, hit somebody over the top of the head. That could have been such a uh, horrific ending uh, in that situation. Um, very fortunate that, you know, Mason Rudolph wasn't killed or knocked unconscious out there. So it's, it's, it, to me, it was a bad look. I, I would prefer to move on from it, but <laughs> in today's world, there's always something to discuss, right, Ross? as it pertains to the NFL. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I mean, we could be talking about Antonio Brown right now. We could be talking about Antonio Brown for some reason. It's, it, it's a good point. Ike, last question <laughs> is one that we were just contemplating. It's from an Ask Reddit question. It's a very serious question, okay? They just right. launched, let's say they just launched, pretend they launched a new dating app. And instead of a photo of the person that you're going to date, the girl, it shows you a photo of their bedroom, car, kitchen, shoes, how they have their tea, coffee, <laughs> blah, 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 right? right? What photo would you what photo would you want that would tell you the most about the person you're thinking about going out on a date with? <laughs> Oh, uh, wow. 
seems like the obvious answer would be the bedroom, but I don't know if um, there's something about the kitchen and the bathroom that I need to make sure is a nice, tidy, cleanly looking area. That would tell me a lot about you. If you don't, if you don't keep the area in which you bathe and which in which you eat, which I, I don't know what to say. That that to me would 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 not look very good on you as a person that I would expect to have great hygiene. That's that's something that uh, uh, is important to me. <laughs> I mean, that's something that's important. It's more important than the car you're driving or whatever. But uh, yeah. If, it, if that's what I had to look at, I guess I would I would rather see that first. We totally agree with you. Both of us came around to the bathroom as well. Ike Reese, as usual, spot on observation. <laughs> Former All-Pro linebacker with the Eagles, host at WIP. Check him out on the radio.com app. That is spot on. Exactly the, the answer you should have given. Thank you, my friend. Yes. We'll take a quick All break right, here so- on the show. Thanks to... Thanks to our man, Ike Reese. Quick break here. We'll wrap up our Eagles All-32 look at next season, and we will talk about what happened yesterday with NASCAR, the biggest race in the sport, and the story is not the winner, but the man who is in the hospital this morning in serious condition did NASCAR botch the celebration of the Daytona 500 after a break, Ross. Listen, anyone who travels frequently like I do knows how tiring it can be. Whether you're on business or on vacation, a five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. With zero sugar, four calories, and a convenient portable size, it's the perfect pick-me-up for busy, hardworking people. Now it comes in two great extra-strength tropical tastes. Strawberry banana and tropical burst. They are delicious and can take you to a tropical on-the-go experience. Five-hour energy shot can help you stay alert and energized wherever you may be headed. We're back on a Tuesday edition of Home and Home, continuing the first of our All-32 look at All-32 NFL off-season. Are these teams... Heading in the right direction. Are they on the decline? How will they fill their holes this offseason through the draft or via free agency? And we started with Ike Reese, former All-Pro linebacker with the Eagles, and a look at Philly. Now they started three and four, struggled out of the gate, but won four straight to close the regular season, went to the postseason, and of course lost to Seattle 17-9. But injuries really tell the tale of this team Throughout the year, from the very beginning, with DJX to the very end, it was an injury-ravaged season for Philly. So it's hard to know what to make of their direction, given that and the holes at wide receiver and defensive back. In case you can't recall how last season went down, here's a look back. Eagles 2019, expectations sky high. Listen to the crowd for Deshaun Jackson. He comes galloping out. Wentz looking, he's looking, he is going deep, and it is caught! Touchdown, Deshaun! 
Deshaun Jackson. Give the people what they came to see. Deshaun Jackson on a deep ball, perfectly thrown by Carson Wentz. Where have you been, number 10? Final score, Eagles 32, Redskins 27, undefeated, Super Bowl bound. And then the Eagles started dropping like flies. Injury, injury, mm. injury. Al, do you understand that? No. Because we have a doctor. Class, and it doesn't make sense that all of them always get injured. Deshaun Jackson is going to be out. And I mean, I guess he can be back before the end of the season. What can this team do, Ike? Like, like wh- where do you view this team right now? As we kind of now, the reality is Deshaun's not coming back. Because there was always that talk. It's going to be a struggle, man. And I don't think they have enough. I think it's going to be too hard. I just, I don't see it. One of the most outrageous, frustrating, maddening, exasperating, disastrous games I have ever witnessed as a sports fan. That, that your team could lose to that steaming pile of garbage. The Miami Dolphins is unimaginable. I saw a quarterback that was inaccurate. I saw a quarterback that was very careless with the football. I saw a guy who looked confused. And I saw a guy whose basic fundamental mechanics have completely fallen have completely fallen apart. Doug, City is very frustrated. They and should they be. Really, they, they should be. They, you are too, aren't you? I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated. We're frustrated. The team's frustrated. This is not us not uh, who we are we thought this was the best team in the nfc going into the season and, and the contrast between that and where they were with josh mccown limping around the field on a torn hamstring in the wild card game was uh, was pretty was pretty stark it's a little radio.com red zone action there with sports radio wip in philadelphia and the eagles radio network a team that finished nine and seven injuries tell the tale ross to me two spots they gotta fill wide receiver and corner can't imagine they fill them both via free agency so i think it's best to fill that corner position in free agency make a move for darius slay Use that first-round draft pick on a wide receiver, and I am not just because I'm a Colorado grad. LaVisca Chenault is a name Philly fans should know. He is an absolute beast that I expect to have immediate impact in the NFL, and I'm stunned that he will be there for the Eagles. Yeah, you know what, Dave? I, I think because this draft is so good with receivers, especially speed receivers, if you're the Eagles, you have to be thinking that that's the route you're going to take. Now, I do think they'll bring back Deshaun Jackson for another year. I think they'll try to move on from Alshon Jeffrey if they can. There's some contractual stuff there. Uh, I think Greg Ward has a pretty good chance to be their slot receiver, actually. But I do believe that there's there's just not that much available in free agency at wide receiver. So I think the draft is where they're likely to go wide receiver. I think trade or free agency is where they go corner. So I guess I'm agreeing with you, Dave, whether that's Byron Jones or Darius Slay. Now, there are years where the Eagles will be in the comp pick business where they would love the trade for Darius Slay as opposed to just paying for some free agent 
like Byron Jones or Chris Harris or whoever the case might be. But I don't think they're going to get a whole lot compensatory pick-wise this year because I don't think they're going to lose a whole lot. So I don't think that's going to be a big focus for them. You know, just thinking about the team and all the sound we just heard, it's funny. I'm kind of diving back into the Eagles, watching their show on Amazon all or nothing because everybody was texting me, telling me my voice is on it. So I'm only one episode in so far, but it does bring back all of the injuries they had. I mean, that Falcons game where it's like five snaps into the game and Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, and Dallas Goddard are all just standing there on the sideline in uniform, and it's week two. It's crazy, absolutely crazy. But I will say this. I feel very good about their quarterback. I feel extremely good about their head coach. I feel like their offensive line and tight ends are excellent. I feel like their running back, Miles Sanders, and even Boston Scott, whether they bring back Jordan Howard or not, is pretty darn good. Receiver, obviously the question mark. Defensively, linebackers always, but remains to be seen how important they are. D-line, I think, is is good, maybe not as good as it needs to be, but they'll still have Derek Barnett, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. And in the secondary, that's where there's a lot of questions, a lot of questions, even at safety with Malcolm Jenkins wanting a new deal, with Rodney McLeod being afraid. There's a lot of questions. So it really is receiver and DB more than anything else, but the one thing you can give Howie Roseman a lot of credit for is they have not at all spared any expense. Like they're, they're not going to go into the season with question marks, big question marks at those spots. They will at least make an attempt to make sure that those positions are fortified for a long playoff run. Last year, obviously, the loss to Seattle, 17-9. But, Ross, at the end of the day, when I look at the NFC, I see five teams that I think have a shot to win the Super Bowl, and it wouldn't shock me if Philly's able to get to the Super Bowl. Maybe not win. Patrick Mahomes is quite a mountain to climb. But I think Philly and Dallas have a chance to get to the Super Bowl next year. I think San Francisco, clearly the favorite in the NFC. But I also think New Orleans and Seattle. Do you think Philly is in that handful of teams in the discussion for a Super Bowl, given a 9-7 and seven season last year? Nobody in the NFC North, huh? You're not feeling the Packers or the Vikings at all? No. I'm not. I, I was not impressed by the Packers all year long. We talked about that throughout the season, and I'm just not convinced Kirk Cousins can get them to the Super Bowl in Minnesota either. Wow, that's interesting. That yeah, you know I the know. Vikings and and Packers both won playoff games and both, you know, <laughs> moved on. I mean, the only team that beat them was the Niners, or maybe they would have yeah. gone to the Super Bowl. So I, I would say that there's seven teams in my mind that I, I think have a realistic chance. The two, you know, the five you named, as well as the Packers and the Vikings, which, by the way, Dave, stark contrast from the AFC, where I look at it and, look, we got to see where Tom Brady lands, but I got the Chiefs, I got the Ravens, 
I got maybe the Steelers, depending on how Big Ben comes back. And I don't know. I mean, maybe the Titans, maybe the Colts if Rivers goes there. Obviously, maybe the Patriots or Chargers if Brady goes there. But I feel like there's a lot more competition on the NFC than there is in the AFC. I feel the same way. It bums me out as a Denver Broncos fan. And tomorrow we'll continue our all 32 look at all 32 NFL teams. We will stay in the NFC East this week. Tomorrow, the Washington Redskins, new coach, 3-13 and 13 next year. Will Dan Snyder stay out of Ron Rivera's way? And some think they could have a new quarterback next season. I think not likely, but they should be an interesting discussion with former Redskins great London Fletcher. Before we go today on a Tuesday, the biggest story in sports today is one sport we rarely, if ever, talk about in sports talk radio. You never hear about on Sports Center, and frankly, you never see on national news programs like the Today Show and Good Morning America. That all changed yesterday. The Daytona 500 moved from Sunday to Monday due to weather. And if it were just a normal race, and Denny Hamlin, who won for the second straight year and third time in his legendary career, if that was the story, no one would talk about it. No national morning shows would run a clip of it. Doubtful they even get a crack at SportsCenter, given the state of NASCAR today, which is a niche sport, largely on the decline, quite frankly, it's, it's a sport I'm not sure if it's around 10 years from now. I, I talked to you as someone who covered that sport very, very closely for several years. But the story this morning is of Ryan Newman, another NASCAR legend, in all likelihood a Hall of Famer, one of the greats over the last 20 years, right at the crash, uh, at the finish, was bumped, hit the wall, went airborne. And if you haven't seen the footage, check it out on YouTube. It is terrifying. 20 years ago, if you saw that footage, you would say it's likely Ryan Newman did not survive the crash because there was little or nothing left of that car. Almost nothing. Here's how it sounded on Fox yesterday. Ryan Blaney up behind Ryan Newman. Ryan Newman off turn four for the final time. Blaney to the outside, oh. to the inside. Here comes Hamlin up the outside. Wow. Crash into the wall, into the air. Goes up. Newman. Upside down. In a shower of sparks on his roof. Ryan Newman comes across the line, fourth, and comes to rest. Newman got turned, went up in the air, as he came down, was hit by another car and launched skyward, coming down on his roof. The AMR safety team is there quickly to attend to Ryan Newman. That was the call on Fox Sports on Monday. Folks, it was terrifying watching this race. I do generally watch the Daytona 500 each and every year and was watching it yesterday and could not believe what I was seeing. Again, 20 years ago, that driver does not survive. We all think back about the great Dale Earnhardt, but the cars are incredibly safe now. But it brought up an interesting question for NASCAR and how you handle that. <laughs> Denny Hamlin's 
in winner's circle celebrating and confetti's raining down on him as medics are rushing out to the track. I thought personally a very bad look if you are a NASCAR, but Ross, I'm not sure how any sport should handle that. I guess there's no real equivalent. We can't imagine a Super Bowl being clinched just as a devastating injury happens. I know you're not a NASCAR fan, but how should a sport handle that? It's their Super Bowl, and you've got a massive injury. Uh, Ryan Newman in the hospital in serious condition now, but how should they have handled winner's circle? Yeah, I think that's a tough one, Dave, because you're not really sure how bad it is. And as you said, the cars are so safe now that we're almost used to seeing bad crashes and guys just like get out of the car and walk out. And you're like, what? I, I, I'm amazed when I see these guys, the car flips over three or four times. And the guy like hops out of it. I'm like, how is that even possible? But because of those roll cages and, and the belt system and everything, those guys are incredibly safe in there. And so I, I think the assumption is that the guy is okay. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but the assumption is that it's not serious or life-threatening injuries. And so I think that's why they celebrated, you know, and also in those situations, they're not like worried about let's get the communication of his injuries to the winner's circle so they know whether or not it's appropriate to celebrate, you know, and, and, I, and I, I think you can make the argument that as long as there's a guy in some type of injury or accident scene, there should be no celebration. I think that's a, a fair position to take um, until you know that the guy's okay. Maybe that is the position that they should take. I don't know. I think given the situation that it was Denny Hamlin's second straight and third overall Daytona 500, I thought it should have been handled differently. I thought they should have canceled the celebration, the victory lane, the confetti raining down on Hamlin. I think maybe it's different if you have a driver winning his sports Super Bowl for the first time, a moment he will never get back. But yeah, look, I don't think they knew how serious it was, but given how frightening that crash looked, they probably should have handled it better. Thank God Ryan Newman his non-life-threatening injuries in serious condition, one hopes he's able to return to the track someday, but it would be surprising. Larry McReynolds is a Fox Sports NASCAR analyst, a legend in the sport himself. He was on WFNZ in Charlotte, North Carolina, talking about what happened and the sports handling of it. Denny Hamlin, of course, wins his second consecutive 500, three out of the last five, which quite honestly is unprecedented. Yeah. But to see that crash there at the start-finish line with Ryan Newman in his sixth car, uh, definitely one of the scariest crashes that that I've seen in a long time. You, you know, we see cars get up in the air. We see them get up in the catch fence. But I guess when I saw him coming back down with his left side, of course, the car was still upside down, and the left side, his left door, right at traffic. And Corey LaJoy in the 32 car, absolutely nowhere to go was just along for the ride and a victim as well. 
and hit that six car right in the door. It, it was yeah. it was very scary. But to your point, uh, we stayed at the studio. We came on the air the minute Steve O'Donnell with NASCAR was ready to to have the press conference. And yes, you're right. Still very concerned. Still very scary when you hear the word serious condition. But when he said the doctors at this point say that it's not life-threatening injuries, that was a that was a very huge relief for everyone in the industry. Boy, it really is the theme of the day on this Tuesday, February 18th, sports that are in the news cycle for all the wrong reasons, Ross. You've got the NFL with the Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph headache. You've got Major League Baseball with the botched handling of Rob Manfred from the start to the finish in the entire sport, voicing its frustration with the Astros. And now NASCAR, the one way they're always on national news programs and talk programs and podcasts like this one because of a terrifying accident. Not a good sign of the state of that sport. No, and it's interesting, Dave. I, I don't really follow NASCAR, but I did go to Daytona once, and I met a bunch of the drivers before the race, which, by the way, I thought was crazy. It was like an hour and a half, two hours before their Super Bowl, and I'm just, like, chilling with them, talking to them. I, I was just surprised. I mean, before the Super Bowl, I would not want to be talking to some random dude, you know, who I didn't know who he was. But they're just kind of used to it, I guess. And then, you know, when the race actually starts, I'm down in, you know, pit row. I could not believe how close they are to each other as they're driving that fast. And I am stunned that they don't have more accidents than they do. Stunned. Because I just don't know how it's possible to be going that fast around that many other cars in that tight of a space. And not, you know, oh, I, I, you nick this one, nick this one, turn in the air. I mean, it's I'm amazed it doesn't happen more often. Yeah, it is. it is a terrifying sport. But because of the tragic death of Dale Earnhardt, those cars and those harnesses are so incredibly safe. And all you need to know is that Ryan Newman walked away from that crash the same way Austin Dillon did several years ago at Daytona. They've tried to do a lot to keep cars from going airborne as well. That's something they will have to continually address. But you're right about the guys and the quality of dudes in that sport. And part of it is a lot of those guys grow up on dirt tracks and go-karts, and they don't grow up in AAU leagues getting sponsored by Adidas and Nike. When you grow up wanting to be a NASCAR driver, uh, for the most part, you grow up on the back roads with no fans on Friday nights, uh, low lights, no frills sports. So it tends to bring about a, a different kind of dude, a, a, a less high-maintenance athlete than we're used to. I'm very pleasantly surprised to hear you've been to a Daytona 500. That's outstanding, my friend. What in the world brought you to that? Yes, yeah, so it was 2004. I believe, and a teammate of mine for the Buffalo Bills, his agent or agent's friend was like a NASCAR agent slash um, helped facilitate a deal where a sponsor was the owner of a car, like had a car in the race. 
And so he invited three of us Buffalo Bills to come down. And I remember just walking around. I met Dale Earnhardt and Matthew McConaughey was there for some reason. I met him. He had some terrible movie coming out. Um, met Tony Stewart. Like, I met them all. And somehow they got me in, like, the pre-race meeting. And I was sitting next to Martin Truex. We were talking about the Eagles, like, right before the pre-race meeting. Like, it was it was very cool. Very cool. And, uh, and then to talk to those guys, and they're like, and one of them, I think it might have been Earnhardt, said something like, man, I don't know how you guys do what you do. And I was like, dude, you're about to race like 150 miles an hour this far from guys. At least mine's a human being. At least I yeah. know that, like, I'm not going to die. You know what I mean? And uh, it was funny because he's a big Redskins fan and good friends with uh, Chris Cooley. So I was talking with him about that. Uh, so it was neat. It was neat. I mean, they, they really, all those guys really like football. Well, I was certain it was your Joe Gibbs connection that was the reason you went to Daytona because, of course, the legendary Washington Redskins coach, now the legendary NASCAR owner. He owns the car driven by Denny Hamlin that has won now three Daytona 500s and two straight. Joe Gibbs dominating the sport of NASCAR today the way he did the NFL so many years ago. Joe Gibbs, a legend in two sports. Hard to think of many equivalents. Uh, in the history of any major sport. So that'll do it for us on a Tuesday. We'll see you on Hump Day for Ross Tucker. I'm Dave Briggs in Denver. See you tomorrow. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the radio.com app or on the web at radio.com slash home. Home and home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.